Hello. QueerAF is now an independent community interest company. Our podcast's first four seasons were funded by National Student Pride, and so there might be some old calls to action in them. For the most up-to-date info on our podcast that funds budding LGBTQIA plus audio producers, visit wearequeeraf.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter that sums up the LGBTQIA plus world and supports queer creatives kickstart their career. Enjoy the show. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the National Student Pride Podcast. I'm journalist Jamie Worm. And I'm Student Pride Press Officer Charlie Ann Mathers. This month we're joined by the trans non-binary couple Fox and Owl. They almost were afraid to say the word pussy or vagina. It was ridiculous. We spoke about their trans activism. First couple of years after my transsexual summer, I was experiencing some sort of post-traumatic stress. So I was dealing with that as well as like trying to, to go to everything. You know, I just couldn't couldn't say no to stuff. What it means to be non-binary. If you are a non-binary person, people will sometimes assume that you have to present in an androgynous way. And the importance of trans inclusivity in sex and relationships education. I remember being in school and not getting any education about anything that wasn't a heteronormative penis and vagina kind of sex ed. Welcome to the National Student Pride Podcast. Welcome to the National Student Pride Podcast, where we keep our pride of conversation continuing all year round. If you've listened before, then by now you know every month we invite Student Pride speakers, friends and supporters to come on the show. The podcast is all about talking about LGBT community. This month we're joined not by one, but by two guests who will be joining us at Student Pride 2017 on our YouTube panel. They're the incredible filmmaking and YouTube channel duo and have helped in the fight of trans activism. Welcome Fox and Al. Thank you. Hi there. Thanks for inviting us. And we should probably say welcome back to Fox as well, because you've obviously been to Student Pride before. Yeah, that's right. It was really, really fun. And I hear that Student Pride has grown in the past two or three years as well. So that's going to be really fun to, to go back and see the same space, but more people. Yeah, because when you was at Student Pride before, you was on the panel Time for Tea with Paris Lees and Emma Davis. Absolutely right. Yeah. And that was really, really wonderful. We had a good conversation about trans representation in the media. And uh, yeah, I think it was a great chat. But I think it's an ongoing conversation as well. And totally one that we've kind of engaged with every year because, you know, Student Pride has a core theme. Yes. The last couple of years we've had uh, mental health. But this year, the core theme is sex and relationships education. So. <laughs> Very exciting. Obviously, at the minute, it isn't trans inclusive, let alone LGBT inclusive. So why do you think it's important that young people get that all-important inclusive sex and relationships education? It's important because I think everybody should get proper sort of sex education no matter who you are. And I think in many countries, not just in the UK, there is this huge lack of sex education for LGBT people because I remember being in school and not getting any education about uh, same-sex couples or anything that wasn't a heteronormative penis and vagina kind of sex ed <laughs> and getting pregnant. So that was basically the only thing you would get. Uh, and actually my best friend, he also reflected on this and he said, when I 
started going out with my boyfriend, I had to Google how to have sex with him because you didn't get that in school. So I think if you don't know how to have sex with your partner, then there's something clearly wrong well, with the I system. Mean, thank yeah. God for Google. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's funny to say that because I, I, I remember the same thing when I was like young growing up. I was like, I, I don't know what we do. And I had to rely on other people to tell me that. You yeah. know, and, and when peers tell you things, never quite right, is <laughs> yeah. it? Never quite right. Yeah. Um, Fox, I mean, you spoke on LBC uh, early last year about helping kind of educate other people about trans language um, sure. in particular. And the fact that trans people learn the language as you go, is that something that sex ed could help with? Yeah, I guess so, definitely. I think we're learning, the language is evolving, and that's something that my partner and I, Al, had to work through. When we first got together, we were like, oh my God, <laughs> wow, we, we, we've fallen in love with each other, but what do I call you? Because we both define yeah. as non-binary. So that's, it causes complications for people, especially people who would like to date other people. And of course, we've seen apps like Tinder and Facebook has expanded its remit of what how you can categorize yourself as well. And mm-hmm. uh I think that language has evolved and we yeah. do have some words, but we're not necessarily using them as consistently as no. perhaps we should. And I think we're evolving a bit faster. Like, for example, with gender identity and sexual orientations, there's so many different kinds of people who identify in so many different ways now that gay, bi or straight just man, woman just doesn't cut it anymore. It's not applicable anymore because there's so much variety of people and and terms and identities. So it's we're kind of stuck with not having the words, as Fox was saying, yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I'm i non-binary and I also define as pansexual, I suppose, because... And I, I choose pansexual over bisexual because I, I go for the person and not just the genitals and I'm not just into just men or women. I'm into kind of all, all people. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, how, Al, how do you identify? I think it's... Uh, I don't really want to identify my sexual orientation <laughs> because I'm just so over it, really. I'm just... If I like someone, I just like them and I don't really care at all. Mm. And I don't really need to explain that any further I think so when people ask me what if I would have to use something I would use pansexual as well Mm -hmm. but I just prefer not to say anything because it doesn't really matter I think it's interesting you know where as a community we are with with identity as well because I I remember back at the NUS LGBT conference back in my my days at uni there was a big conversation about you know what do we add to the LGBT to reflect this exact conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the year I was at, and I, and I know at the time I was one of the ones that fought in, in this direction, that we, I said, no, we should stay as LGBT because <laughs> the battle there, to the outside world, that it's already complicated enough and we shouldn't mm. add to that. I've since kind of come round to the fact that, um, and the NUS uh, eventually voted in to add the plus on, which mm-hmm. I kind see. of felt like the kind of perfect way to do that because yeah. I feel like inside our community, the way we talk about it is slightly different to what we present to the world and I wondered how you guys Mm. feel about that when you're doing activism do you Mm -hmm. feel like you change your language slightly when you're I think I, point. yeah, I think depending on your audience, you definitely do alter your language. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't you know if we're we're talking about trans related stuff, I, we don't want to be pre- preaching to the converted. We kind of want to extend the conversation and move things on a bit. But mm-hmm. talking about LGBT and adding the plus onto it, it reminds me of when we flirted with trans with the asterisks for a few years as well, and we don't really do that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm constantly telling people that we don't actually do that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason is, do you want to explain the reason now? There was a, a reason because there is a debate about it actually whether uh, the asterisk means that you exclude trans people that are not binary trans people
people or whether it is to include everyone who is trans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a discussion in the trans community even like who is trans and what is trans and who's trans enough and all that yeah. that debate. So the asterisk, I think, has been sort of, we've sort of moved away from it because I think the conclusion was that it was in fact used to exclude non-binary people or people who weren't tra- trans women or a trans man. So the debate has been a been in the trans community as well and you know as you were saying uh, about language when I go to an audience that doesn't know anything about trans issues I simplify my language a bit but I always try to challenge them anyway uh, so it's a bit you always have to know your audience who you're speaking to where you are but you know as yeah. we say it's not rocket science no. so you know and, and a child <laughs> can understand this as well yeah it's, it's a way of saying it I guess and, yeah. and that's exactly what I was going to ask because I think when we you know as a community present and say we, we want more inclusive sex ed they're like, you guys are still talking about and debating it amongst yourselves. How do we then <laughs> present that case? Like, how do we take yeah. trans inclusivity to, to kids in the classroom? I suppose it's it's quite easy to bring trans awareness to kids in the classroom because you're not covering the topic of sex. I think sex education with children is, is super, super important and we shouldn't be ashamed about, you know, how people are created and what uh, what adults do for pleasure. But uh, there is there is certain taboos around it, isn't it? And, and it does make you giggle. But um, I think the more people can talk about this in a kind of open way, the less chances you're going to have of people uh, perhaps contracting certain diseases without realising the risk that they're taking uh, and you know that can have obviously a huge knock-on effect on their entire lives, and and same with you know I mean um, same with getting pregnant you know and and so on. It just it, these these are issues that that people should be talking about you know at early ages. Yeah. Yeah, and I think being trans inclusive isn't very complicated actually, because instead of talking about men have penises, women have vaginas, you can just talk about the penis and the vagina and what it does and how it works. It's yeah. not more complicated than that. You just have to cut out these extremely gendered ways of explaining it because sex education about how you have sex can be easily gender neutral. You can just talk about the genitals, you can talk about the body, what it does. And, and it's, it's not it's not complicated at all. Actually. Totally. And the same yeah. with intersex people as well. I mean, to include mm-hmm. intersex people into the conversation mm-hmm. because statistically, you know, I mean, not everybody's genitals conform and, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that those people are completely sexless as well or, like, or that they don't, you know, have relationships and uh, everybody, uh, you know, we should celebrate everyone and our bodies and I think that's probably what we're... Mm-hmm. It seems like that's where we're heading, you know, we're heading in that sort of direction, especially if you look at the statistics with millennials and how they define and mm. how, how really open they are in many ways with gender and sexuality. And I think it's like even within the groups of men and women, people are so completely different. So it's so ridiculous that we're just putting it up as this extreme binary because everybody's different, no matter whether you're trans or intersex or male or female or like whatever it is. And, and one thing we're doing at Student Pride a lot in the build-up for the event is talking about our sex ed and our and our sex ed and relationship classes, which is what you know we want the narrative to really be about. Mm-hmm. What do you remember of sex ed at school? Was oh it God. awkward and awful? <laughs> <laughs> I just remember like seeing these awful pictures of basically these binary sort of bodies, and this is like this is how you get pregnant: use a condom. That was like that's basically what it was. Very mean girls. Yeah, and they they I remember small talk about people having their periods, but they didn't really want to talk about it, but they kind of had to. And it was just a bit, the conversation was a bit weird and they seemed much more ashamed to talk about, uh, to talk about like vaginas and uteruses and stuff like that. But they were much more open to talk about the penis. 
And it didn't seem like anybody, especially the teacher, was as uncomfortable talking about a penis, which just shows us the double standard somehow. They almost were afraid to say the word pussy or vagina. It was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was um, I had sex education when I was 11. Uh, our whole year did. And... Uh, I think they split the girls and then a woman taught the the girls and then the same with the guys. They were split too. Uh, and, you know, I, th I just remember the whole thing just being quite a giggly affair and we were just like, ha-ha, sex education. And, you know, I don't think we learnt much. I think they were telling us stuff that we already knew. Um, you know, use a condom, you might, you know, and... Uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they talked about periods as well, and that was, yeah, I just remember the whole thing feeling, being kind of shrouded with embarrassment and, and kind of awkwardness. While we're chatting about education, you do a lot of educating people <laughs> in a sense um, on being trans and trans issues, so we're going to play a clip from your YouTube channel at this point. Part of the problem is also because people expect non-binary people to be androgynous in the way they express, uh, so that a non-binary person identifying in a very feminine way and presenting very feminine, people sometimes don't see their identity as, as valid, in a way. In that clip, um, you were talking about people assuming your identity because the way you present can sometimes make the fact that you're non-binary feel a bit invalid. Mm -hmm. Would you say that this is a common problem for people who identify as non-binary? I think it is a common problem for non-binary people who don't present as androgynous. So if you are a non-binary person, people will sometimes assume that you have to present in an androgynous way. Uh, and when non-binary people, for example, like me, present in a very feminine way, people feel a bit weird because people have this idea about non-binary people and that they are somehow in between or they're this, you know, unknown gender, gender expression. And they don't understand that being non-binary isn't about your presentation, it's about your identity and how you actually feel. As we said in the video, when we walk down the street, people will assume we're this straight cis couple and nobody would know we're non-binary except we would say so because people think you can always see based on how people look, who they are or how they identify. And obviously if we're defining as, as binary trans people, for a lot of trans people, the aim of the game is sadly the privilege of passing, you know, and so mm -hmm. that that's them, uh, to somebody who lives a stealth life, mm -hmm. they don't want people to judge them based on their trans st uh, status or their trans history. Mm -hmm. And I completely understand that. I think that a lot of brave people have been able to step up a gear uh, mm -hmm. in the past five years or so to, so that, you know, we're starting, um, people are starting to know, everybody you know, seems to know someone now who's trans mm -hmm. or is going through a process. And I think that helps to kind of uh, make things more um, talked about. I don't mm -hmm. want to say the word normalized because I, mm -hmm. I hate that word actually, <laughs> but it's it's tricky because some people want the end result to be that they they're just perceived as the gender that they they're presenting as and mm -hmm. um for me i feel like uh i wouldn't take away being trans and i feel like mm -hmm. i've had so many lifetimes in one and so many experiences and so much empathy of what it's like to be seen as you know as as an, another group of people and um, I, I f I'm kind of aware, more aware perhaps of the inequality that exists in the world mm -hmm. and the way you're treated by, by your presentation. And yeah. I felt sad actually about having to give up all female spaces when I started my, uh, my transition because it wasn't mm -hmm. like I wanted to go and hang out in all male spaces either. And so I mm -hmm. felt quite lonely in that respect. And I think that non-binary people are starting to gather, um, you know, we're starting to recognize each other. Thank God for the internet again, um, mm -hmm. because, you know, we are we're kind of recognizing who we are and it's such a broad group. Mm -hmm. And some non-binary people don't 
don't feel like they belong to the trans umbrella and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some non-binary yeah. people don't want to have hormones or surgeries or, or whatever. So there's lots of different uh, mm-hmm. ways to express yourself as as non-binary. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it was it was one of those extreme journeys. It's so funny that we've met each other, Owl and myself, because we really are from opposite ends of the spectrum, but mm-hmm. we've kind of met in the middle and we really kind of <laughs> recognise that, that both genders just don't, that the restrict there's so many restrictions that that exist for men or mm-hmm. women and we're both just like you know fuck that yeah it's it's almost quite comical that uh when for example when i came out people before i came out i was very effeminate and people would assume that i was a gay man uh and people would say this to me and nobody would hide that and i knew perfectly well that this was what everybody around me thought but i never came out as a gay man because i knew that that was not who i was so when i came out uh, i originally came out as a trans woman uh and i did that just to simplify things really because i didn't think people would understand uh and i noticed immediately how people felt more comfortable because now they could finally situate me somewhere on the spectrum and i noticed immediately expectations things people said to me things people didn't say to me that were different and how people suddenly started treating me completely differently even though i was the exact same person the only thing that was changing was my actual presentation Uh, and I noticed immediately how my status in society shifted completely and how new sets of expectations and things were put upon me. And I was like, I don't want any of this, actually. I just want to be able to be who I am. And I don't want people to push certain things onto me. And that's why eventually I sort of denied the whole idea of what it is to be a man and what it is to be a woman because it's so fake. It's just so socially constructed and we just all take a part in this weird game where we all play by some rules that nobody actually wrote but everybody still knows and it's kind of funny how we just do it unconsciously in a way it sounds sounds very liberating but but i wonder Mm. in this you know horrible way of actually when you come out as non-binary you get a whole Mm. new set of expectations is that another thing that happens too in a certain way, yeah, people would mm-hmm. expect us to be more androgynous in our presentation. And the fact that I'm non-binary and very feminine in my presentation, people sometimes devalue my identity as a non-binary person. Mm-hmm. And especially as well, because I had a medical transition, then people will assume that if you have a medical transition, then you're not really non-binary. Same for me as well, I'd say. Um, but we're just carving this out as well. And, you know, for example, five years ago, when I took part in my transsexual summer, um, which arguably started a conversation with the whole nation about about mm-hmm. trans issues. Uh, I don't think arguably, I think it did. <laughs> it, it seemed to, yeah, it seemed to have a big knock-on effect, yeah. And, um, you know, I wasn't able to talk about being non-binary then. And back then I was using the, the term genderqueer, which, which I used before. I, I kind of settled on non-binary, but... Um, just because non-binary is used a lot more, I think, mm. as, a, as a word. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were like, look, uh, can we stop you there? I, I don't think our audience is going to understand what non-binary is or what genderqueer is. Can you just simplify things for our audience? So they didn't think that five years ago, mm. you know, the, the average uh, audience, you know, Channel 4 audience was going to be able to get that. And I just think that's mm-hmm. really patronizing, actually, and that, you know, of course, so many of us define <laughs> as, as more than just, you know, binary gender. What's up? Just a little side note from me. We want to carry on doing this podcast, but we need your help to support it. Something any of you can do that doesn't even cost you a penny is heading to the iTunes store and giving us a cheeky five-star review. We'll love you all the more for it. But if you're an advertiser or someone in the marketing department and you've got a little bit of spare cash in your pot, then why not get involved by sponsoring Student Pride too? Just visit studentpride.co.uk forward slash stores 
and find out how you can support us by sponsoring the podcast or our event. Thanks. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, time for another clip from your YouTube channel, Fox and Owl. This one's all about activism. I mean, I've been doing trans activism kind of stuff for mm. the past five years. Yeah. And it has it hasn't stopped. It's like it's just been non-stop. I mean, I don't have a huge problem with that, but mm-hmm. uh, I think it's really important for people like myself who are kind of and yourself too. Yeah, I'd imagine, right? Um, yeah. Who just need a little bit of support sometimes, or need to know when to say no, or need to know when to quit it. Because yeah. I found it really hard to say no to certain things. People email you with all sorts of opportunities, and sometimes it's really hard to know what to say yes or no to. So in that clip, you were talking to your friend about how when being an activist, you have to learn to say yes and no to things to prevent yourself from burning out. I think it's interesting that you kind of get to a point where you have to learn to pass up some opportunities. How often would you say that activists do too much and end up burning out? In the field that I'm in, it's very, very common. I I see that the trans community needs a lot more support than it's getting. And uh, therefore, anyone who is on a little bit further down the journey than someone else perhaps can offer support to that person. So there's, it's just like a constant flow of people where people are, are kind of get, just pretty much sorting their own lives out and then mm-hmm. they're, they're given a position or they, or they jump into a position to be able to help other people too. So they might take on a, a support role uh, at a you know mm-hmm. local LGBT group or, um, I mean, there's so much you can do these days as well. Uh, for me, every single day we get, mm-hmm. I get emails or on any social media platform, I will get at least one or two messages from people who are reaching out, who are telling me about their stories, who want me to help mm-hmm. them in some way. Often this is stuff they can Google themselves, but I just I honestly feel that people are just wanting to have some sort of human connection and, and just mm-hmm. want somebody to hear how they actually identify. And, you know, because they're really at, at the start of, of you know, of mm-hmm. the... You know, I, I remember when I was first coming out and just to say the words actually just means yeah. so much, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I think we've all maybe been at the point where we've had to come out at some point, yeah. right? And yeah. it's, it, it's just so scary. And like the biggest thing holding you back is yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that was where I was at five or six years ago. And I realized that I was coming out into a world that didn't fully understand what trans being trans was. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, God, it's so annoying. Like I've got to actually, you know... I suppose I should I should step it up a gear because before that I was doing um, 
a lot of queer activism where I was doing like lesbian protest weddings and, you know, for Section 28 and mm -hmm. I was co-chair for the LGBT at Sussex University. And, you know, so I'd always been interested in, and, and heavily involved with activism and support groups and things. And then mm -hmm. finally I was like, oh, my God, I'm trans. It's like this, this isn't <laughs> going to go away. The panic attacks are not going to stop. I've just got to deal with this. And so I, I went down that path and the world was, you know, it was it was hard, I think. You know, a lot of people were... Um, happy being stealth and I remember going to the first support group and it was just full of like middle-aged old to older trans guys who were like totally stealth they were shopkeepers they were doctors they were you know and, and just didn't want any involvement with with the trans community and, and I think that the trans community is, is an interesting one because it's it's such again it's a hugely varied amount of people and you know we've all got different needs and, and different wants and and not one person can represent this community like no way and but I think that actually my Transsexual Summer and and other people um, doing YouTube videos and so on, I mean, that's what I feasted on when I first started to come out. That's so much more important than people like Caitlyn Jenner coming out, you know, just mm -hmm. for relatability. When it comes down to burnout, that when you're in activism, it's not just uh, about activism, it's about your personal life and it's about who you are as a person. Uh, and for some people, it becomes a job and it becomes what you sort of want to try to make some money out of. And in activism, there isn't a lot of money. No. And this can also be the problem that people are always doing projects, they're giving things, but they're never getting paid to do what they're doing. And this is when the burnout rate starts to increase a lot, because if you're constantly working on something and you don't get money to pay your bills... Yeah. And how are you going to survive? Because you can give and give and give, but you also need something back. And as you know, selfish as it might sound, you do need money. It's like you, even though it gives we you all so like much, to eat, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah like it gives you it gives you a lot to give to people, and that's one of the th reasons why I do activism because it gives to other people, and I can help other people. But I also need to be able to help myself and take care of myself. Have you guys ever experienced burnout? Oh, God, completely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say. I think the first couple of years after my transsexual summer, I was experiencing some sort of post-traumatic stress. So I was dealing with mm -hmm. that as well as like trying to, to go to everything. You know, I just couldn't mm -hmm. couldn't say no to stuff. So I'd turn up at every panel event, every workshop, every talk, every, yeah, every mm -hmm. kind of meet and greet or whatever. And yeah. it was great. But the first, after three years, I was like, oh, I've really got to find a new method. I've got to find a new way to mm -hmm. field what's going on. And that's why yeah. Al's been so great as well, because something comes through and, and and realistically we can see whether that's feasible or not and yeah. you know yeah, it's uh, f what I think people also don't realize when you're an activist, you're also in a constant conversation with the community itself. And there is a lot of tension and things that happen within the community itself. Yeah. So I've experienced a type of burnout where the community went in complete turmoil over a certain topic. Uh, and I was on the board of an organization that was in the middle of the whole whirlwind of things. And it was just so extreme how people within the community would attack each other. And it was just so tiring to always have to be working for an organization and volunteer work, not getting paid. And you get shit like shat over every single day. And it's just like this is also what I don't think people realize that you're dealing with the outside world and all the crap that's out there. And you're also dealing with the inside of the community that doesn't always agree. And I think this is true for many different communities and organizations and and stuff. So I think, yeah, people don't really fully understand what it is to be an activist and what it is to activism. And as you said about Caitlyn Jenner, it's like people don't connect to a white trans woman who can just have a transition wim bam boom and she's done and she has everything she needs and she doesn't need anyone else. Because being a trans person, realistically in society, you need so much more. 
And is that the power? Because when we talk a lot about how influential people coming out and their story changes millions and, and their stories mm-hmm. hit so many, and isn't that great? Yeah. But actually, I wonder, is there more power? And is what you were guys saying, is there more power in the, you know, everyday activist that does mm-hmm. the little bits? I think the yeah. grassroots is actually where most things happen. And I think most things happen in personal communication and personal things because uh, there can be a person on TV, but that's not going to change people's views in many times. It's the personal connection. When you meet someone who's trans and you see that they're an actual person, you connect to them as a human, that's when you start to change people's minds. So I think it's a mix of both, obviously. I mean, I'm sure Caitlyn Jenner has helped a lot of people. I don't know Caitlyn Jenner, so I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna... I'm not going to diss Caitlyn Jenner here because I'm sure she's had her own journey and we all have her own journey and that's fine. Uh, But I think it's always a mix of both. Uh, And I think the people who can be more personal or more relatable are the people who really can reach down to those people who are the most underrepresented or the most underprivileged people in the community. So, So maybe don't set up to change the world but change a little bit of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's maybe the, the aim. Well, we'll think big, obviously, but mm-hmm. uh, I think we can make a lot of change just by being available to those around us. And yeah. But just be aware of what you're taking on and, uh, you know, yeah. try things out. And if, if you can't quite commit to something, then, you know, it's always negotiable. But, mm-hmm. I mean, for... And there's so many ways of doing activism as well. If you support one person, you've already made the world a better place. So you don't have to be Caitlyn Jenner or Laverne Cox that has a huge platform and whenever they say something, it's on the news you don't need that to be able to make a change do you know one way to make a great change stick on a pair of pink jeans and come down to student pride at the end of the year because we're coming to time thanks so much for coming in today (laughs) (laughs) student pride is obviously on the 24th to 26th of February 2017 and me and Charlie over there in glorious pink jeans and so will Fox I'm not sure I'll be wearing pink jeans (laughs) (laughs) come on come in (laughs) I'll try to convince him You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, listen on the go with Audio Boom, or listen on gaystarnews.com. And by the way, don't forget to tweet at Student Pride and let us know what you think of how awesome Fox and Hour. If you haven't already, be sure to check out last year's episodes. We had Matthew Todd, Charlie Craggs, Shosh and Mer. All very exciting. For now, though, we'll see you very soon. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.